I'm a big believer in, in obviously where there's a will, there's a way. I also know that with my particular circumstance that I had to win, there was no going backwards. Your legacy is your brand, what you're building. We want to inspire a generation of entrepreneurs to fearlessly create things that matter with a community that supports, motivates, and guides them towards victory as they take on the giants standing in their way. This is the Battle Ready Brands Podcast. The economy is constantly changing. Today's brands need a battle strategy that is tested and proven to help them win. Suit up. It's time to get battle ready. And here are your hosts, Matt Kretzman and Brad Parnell. Welcome to uh, episode one, season one of Battle Ready Brands. So my name is Brad. This is Matt with the Battle Ready Brands podcast. Um, our goal is to bring great quality content to focus on the gritty journey of entrepreneurs and business owners um, in this world of, of growing a business. I mean, we, we've all been through it and we love finding these great stories to tell. So um, Matt's going to give a little bit of introduction to you, Brian, and just want to say thank you so much for, for being on our show today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's, this is going to be fun. Excited. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. So for for those of you in BRB tribe that are watching this podcast, uh, we're here today with Brian DeMarco. He's the co-founder of Primal Seven, Drafter, Drafter Media. Um, he's a former NFL player, pro NFL player, um, and he's been through hell and back. Um, and we're really excited. Maybe a Brian, couple times. <laughs> yeah, a couple, a couple times. Yeah. So we're going to talk about today. If you feel like you're going through hell right now, you can find a lot to relate with with uh, Brian Brian's story here today. Well, you know, the entrepreneurial journey is never—it's uh, just never clean and concise. You know, it—it's uh, a grind. And I, and as a matter of fact, I talk all the time about embracing the grind. It, you know, if you're yes. truly going to be an entrepreneur, you need to get ready for it. It's a roller coaster. I remember just having a lot of what ifs along the way, like, you know, what if I raised a million dollars and that would be awesome. Then everything would be great and perfect. And boy, when that happens, that's when the fun really begins. And that's when the pressure really begins. And it's just a whole different world. So why don't I just back up a little bit and I'll share a little bit of my story because we don't have, you know, two hours for a podcast here, but yeah, yeah, get right into it. We'd love so, to hear kind of how you started. And I'll put it in a nutshell. Um, so I, I I played in the NFL way too long. <laughs> I played uh, uh, four years for Jacksonville and two and a half with Cincinnati before they broke me. Uh, literally, uh, I was actually broken going into my last hit, uh, but the last one I took ended up with seventeen spinal fractures and an avulsion fracture of my hip. So. I pretty much did a reverse toe touch and, you know, I was a mess. My, they, my lower lumbar crushed like a cookie. Um, if you can imagine doing a re reverse toe touch and the back of my head hit my heels, hit from behind, hit from front, it, it was over. Wow. That was in 2000 by 05. I lost 90% of the function of my right leg. So I was completely disabled. As a matter of fact, um, I was so disabled that both hips rotted through the flesh on both sides. So I had these like gaping holes on both sides, wearing wound vacuums, trying to keep my legs from going gangrenous. My, uh, you know, my wife was caring for me 24 hours a day uh, and our kids. So it was truly a mess. Um, as a matter of fact, I was, I was so low uh, mentally at that point 
I tell folks, I was dying in every way a man can be dying. Physically, financially, spiritually, I, I was just gone. And my biggest problem at that time is I knew that my wife loved me so much that she would never leave me. And for me, that was a problem because I was taking her down this road with me to nowhere, right? Uh, and my kids. So let's fast forward a little bit. My, my son is born in 05, in December of 05. By February, February of 06, I'm watching my young, beautiful bride push a mattress to the back of a storage unit in West Texas. I was home for the next four months with a three-year-old and a newborn. <laughs> so if it doesn't get any worse, like we, we had completely lost everything. Um, so going a little bit further, my wife writes a desperate letter to none other than Mike Ditka. Uh, you know, we didn't know Mike at the time. I'm sure we, you've all heard of Iron Mike. Um, we just, she just knew that Mike was helping uh, former players in, in need of medical attention. So she reached out to him. Mike answers the bell. And within a month, I'm in front of the best two spinal doctors in the world out in California. So hope flooded back into my life, right? I was going to have a miracle surgery. I was, I was going to have a miracle drug. I was going to go back to work, take care of my family. Everything was solved with going to see these doctors. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. After a week of studying me, and it was a painful week of study, if you can imagine, um, that first doctor looked me dead in my eyes and he said, if you were a horse, we would have shot you by now. Wow. And I was, I was floored. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, I mean, there's some, tell me a punchline. There's a, there's a joke to this, right? So second doctor walks in and pulls my wife to the side and says, you need to prepare yourself to put him in full-time care. He's done. He'll never walk again unassisted. And that's it guys. I was 36 years old at the time. So, Wow. This was probably the lowest point of my life and I totally rocked. I, I wish I could say I was a lot stronger than I was. Um, my wife, Autumn, who, who's been my rock forever, uh, she was the one that I leaned on even then, you know? So here I am just totally distraught. How in the world are we going to move forward, uh, keep a roof over our kids' heads? How are we going to, you know, pay bills and just live? So we fly back to Texas. We're sitting on the front porch of our house. And my wife, who's always had this amazing faith in God, I was always the guy riding the fence, right? <laughs> I was, yeah. I'd be like, like, you're praying for this, right? And she go, you know, that's not how this works. <laughs> <laughs> so she reaches out and she grabs my hands and we said our first very real, very desperate and sincere prayer to God together for answers. Okay. So the rest of this is where it gets kind of crazy and cool. So within five minutes of that prayer ending, there's no other way to put this other than we had a vision separately um, of this thing, this product we were going to build that was going to help me learn how to walk again. And we were literally, it was so profound of a vision. We, you couldn't escape it if you tried. It was just there. So we start taking notes and drawing pictures separately. We come together about 15 minutes later and we're drawing the same thing, which wow. kind of blew our minds going, okay, this gotta, this has to be God talking to us. Right. So we built this, yeah. this first product out of some ugly, dirty, yellow truck tie down straps that we all have hanging around our garage <laughs> and, uh, and an old freight band, those, those gigantic rubber bands that, you know, you typically use for resistance. We, we sew it to this strap with fishing line and 
and literally this product was what helped me neuromuscularly learn how to walk again, starting with just standing and shifting my body weight back and forth, led to squats. But to be honest with you, I was so mentally just broken at that point in time that the first day that I got on there and I was able to stand on my own without anybody propping me up or, or my walker or canes, that it was such a victory that it was inspiring me to like to just keep going, see what more I could do. So three and a half years of rehab on this product, we said, we need to go help other people. We ended up raising four and a half million dollars to launch Primal. Um, not all at once, you know, first couple million came and then down the road, um, which is miraculous on its own because look at me. Do I look like the guy that you want to write a million dollar check and say, here, go run, go run this business, right? I, so I knew I, I knew I had some strikes going against me right from the start because one, I'm a former NFL player, which is great for getting investor meetings, but horrible for somebody actually writing you a check. You know, the stories are all out there, you know, NFL player blew all his money and <laughs> whatever, right? So I had a strike there. Plus, I'm like a six, seven tattooed up, muscled up gorilla with a 20 foot beard. Um, you know, it's just not conducive to the boardroom, right? So I knew real quick, I knew that I had about five seconds to start speaking and bringing the business acumen about a thousand times greater than anybody else. Um, so, anyways, we end up uh, launching this company, building it. It's now called Primal Seven. Um, about, oh heck, it's been probably seven years ago now. Um, Primal wins the top product design awards in the world. We actually went up against Tesla automobiles and Dre Beats headphones, and we win this top prize. So that's the catalyst to it being used in the best rehab uh, hospitals and hospital systems uh, around the world. Uh, and had a successful exit about three years ago. Uh, so I, I took that full cycle of the entrepreneur of having an idea, finding out how to raise the money, building a company and, you know, and then of course selling the company, which, you know, it was amazing. You know, it was an amazing road, but, but all the trial and error actually is what's been so great with what we're doing now. So let me, let me fast forward a little bit. So the, the primal allowed us to obviously step into stuff that we felt really passionate about in, in wide drafter media. So let me step back. Um, we got into the publishing world and, and media, media world after that. And I, I actually owned uh, TexasHSFootball.com, which is one of the top football uh, news sites in the state of Texas. Uh, I wanted to learn the publishing world in, in, from the content creator's perspective to the publisher's perspective. But I also wanted to really dive into the whole media side, advertising and marketing. I knew that publishing, the business model, was antiquated and broken, right? Uh, you had an issue with the the duopoly, that is Google and Facebook, you know, sucking up 80% of global ad revenue, which has led everybody to the, to the mm. subscription model. And, and as you know, not everybody's doing that successfully. So, uh, so as we start diving into that in, in that whole brand, we learn what's broken about the system, which launches Drafter. Okay. So Drafter is a tech company that we have built, uh, that we're launching officially launching next year at South by Southwest. Um, but it is a very unique ecosystem focused on the content creator and the publisher. Uh, and I personally, you know, this is just me, but I believe that, that what this team has created here is something 
incredibly unique. Uh, I believe it's going to fundamentally change the publishing industry. Uh, I know those are big words, but <laughs> that's what we're aiming for. Um, but during this process early on, uh, you know, back two and a half, three years ago, we started getting a lot of requests from the content creators we were bringing on board for agency type work. So, you know, graphic design and websites and all that stuff, right? So we said, well, we have a background with agency work, so why don't we start our own agency? So at this time, we were in the middle of a $2 million seed round raise for Drafter. Hey, my friends. So if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, one of the hardest things to do is to generate leads. I mean, there's going to networking events, there's, you know, running your own Facebook ads, there's doing all of this work to try to get people. And here's the secret truth is only 3% of all people are ready to buy today. And that's usually what we only focus on. So we've created a free resource called the Sales Volcano of everything that's beneath the 3% and actually how to talk to those people, how to warm them up. And we've created a free PDF for you to download so you can start using that today to help blow up your leads and sales. So go to 90dayvolcano.com or just click this link below and we're gonna give that to you for absolutely free. So 90 Day Volcano, enjoy it. Peace. Okay, so we built Drafter Media and we start the agency portion of this. And here we go fast forward a couple of years later. Um, the success of Drafter Media has been able to fund the seed round for Drafter um, and really just make this into something even more unique from an entrepreneurial standpoint. I mean, every entrepreneur dreams about being able to fund their own company. Knowing what I know that when you get those guys with big money coming in and it's all exciting and everything, but when that chunk of that company you lose, <laughs> that it just changes everything, right? Changes the entire dynamic. So we're, we're very blessed, very fortunate to be in that position. Um, you know, and with Drafter Media, what we're doing is, you know, it, it, even though we have never officially uh, marketed our company, uh, it's all been referral based. But because of what we do is so dramatically different, and you know, in working with great brands from you know where the agency for the NFL's retired uh, players association, the PFRPA, uh, you know, working with great companies like Sony and Uber and Ram Trucks, and you know, that's been really great. Uh, however. What I really love is working with young companies that are on the move, and that's really become the catalyst uh, for us uh, and what gets us up out of bed in the morning. Um, and just bringing that experience of what it truly takes to to build a brand, to get you out there into the marketplace, and you know, just take it to the world. So yeah, in a, in a, yeah. a nutshell story, guys. So I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I'll shut up for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it, man. And no, it's a perfect segue because you, you mentioned the word brand. And of course, this is the Battle Ready Brands podcast. So uh, we were most excited to talk to you because of how you just perfectly embody that concept of being battle ready, persistence in pursuit of growing a brand. So if I mean, if we could back up the story a little bit, I mean, man, you covered a lot. And I, I don't want this to be so much about your NFL career in itself, as much as how it prepared you for the battles that you would face. What, what was going on through your mind when you're, I mean, you're propped up against the wall. You're looking at your kids and your wife. You're in, you know, writhing pain on a constant basis. What, what's going through your mind? And for the entrepreneur out there who's thinking about maybe pursuing his dream, he's 
in a down and out position like you were. What are you thinking about as you're looking into the future and mustering some strength to, to give it another shot, to give something a shot? Well, it's funny you mentioned how, how football played into that and it had a huge effect. Uh, you know, and it's not about, you know, the playing days or, or the fun memories, you know, playing against Reggie White and those stories, but it's more about the teamwork aspect of it, the effort that it takes um, being undeniable. So I put it to you this way. One of the, one of the worst things that I heard when I first retired and, and I still remember this like it was yesterday and I, I really want to go change the narrative for a lot of retired guys, but we hear there, there are no transferable job skills from the NFL to the real world. Okay. So Matt, imagine this. So I'm like 30, 31 years old by the time I get done playing this game that like, so if we went to school together, you know, my buddies and stuff, I'm like, you guys remember when we were in high school and I'm 31 right now, I'm just now stopped. I'm stopping playing this game now as you were working your way up the ladder, as you were learning the corporate world. And I was playing a game, right. Mm. That we played in junior high, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. and then somebody tells me that phrase that there are no transferable job skills from the NFL to the real world. And it wow. hit me hard, you know, especially in my spot, my mental state that I was in because you know, I was so fragile at that point mentally because I was completely broken. You know, you go from being a professional athlete that you think in your head that you can do anything um, to mm -hmm. somebody's caring for me all day, every day. So I'm in a fragile spot and I hear that. <clears throat> so going back to that point of, of what pushed me through mm. is, is truly thinking back on those times where the grind was so hard that you think that I couldn't possibly make it through another day. It's the, the moments, you know, during the hot summer sun of Jacksonville, Florida during training camp, back when we had real training camp, by the way, nine to officially sound like an old guy. Right? <laughs> you to sound like Bill Parcells, right? But yeah. You're well, Tom Coughlin, who is our head coach was a Parcells yeah. protege, right? So <clears throat> I remember thinking back to those times of thinking, if I can make it through this, I can make it through anything. And, and that's really what started to permeate my mind as I started to take this spiritual transformation I was making too. And one of my big turning points was in you guys, if, I don't know if you're married or not, but, but you'll, uh, so imagine yeah. this. So imagine the, the first night you're spending a night in a storage unit and that's home with you, your wife and your kids, like, what do you say? What do you think about it for a second? Imagine, what do you say to your wife? You're, you're laying on a mattress. It's West Texas. It's winter. It's cold in the desert. You have 30 blankets piled on top of you. You have a newborn and a three-year-old, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm looking at my wife and I, and I don't say all the things like I should have said, like, I love you. And I'm really sorry. I'll get us out of this. Don't <laughs> <you> worry. <laughs> I literally looked at her and I said, what is wrong with you? Like, are, are you broken? I mean, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Uh, you know, I thought it was me that was broken and, and literally going, I, I'm telling her I'm done for. So this was a pivotal moment. My wife, Autumn, looks at me over our babies, piled under these blankets, and she said, I made a promise to you and a promise to God, and everything's going to be okay. Wow. 
that's some courage right there. I, I was floored. Like I, I was like, okay, I had been around what I thought were like the toughest, strongest dudes in the world in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And here it was this, this little bitty, you know, five foot three <laughs> blonde girl telling me to be tough and how to be tough. And that really, that day was, was a big moment of learning how to dig back and leverage those times of, of hardship and persevering through those times like no other, because that's really what we came up against. I mean, we had years of, of trial and error, years of R&D where I thought we're never going to raise money to do this. It's going to be way too hard. Um, it took us two years to raise our first round. Um, I, I, I would be remiss to tell you that my life since then, and, and believe me, guys, I wasn't, I wasn't this man of faith back then. I was the, I was the worst sinner of us all. Uh, probably the prototypical professional athlete. You know, if it wasn't about me, I really didn't care. Um, but my life has become this, this, um, very passionate, very personal moment by moment dependence on the grace of God. Um, and it is, it is in my personal journey, it has permeated every single aspect of it. Um, and that's actually the story of this beard, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. the first day that I prayed with my wife, uh, is the day that I started growing this beard. <laughs> so wow. it's been wow. all, I haven't cut it since. So you guys can get in. What a cool story. It's nice, man. I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't grow that, man. I'm a little jealous. Well, to be honest. It's funny. Cause like, I didn't understand back then. Like why, and why did I feel like God was asking me to grow my beard? I was like, the, I was the clean shaven guy, you know, yeah. and you're, so, the modern, you're the modern day Samson now. Right. Right. So I, man, I'm not that good, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it's funny because looking back on it now and, you know, hindsight being 2020, you know, I, to, to a lot of people, I can seem pretty unapproachable. I am, you know, six, seven, and I look the way I look, right. It could be like a WWE wrestler or <laughs> something like that. Right. Like, maybe, we should have, <laughs> maybe we should have pursued that career for a little bit. You know? Right. Well, it, it's funny. This, this, this beard has given people an in to, to say something to me when they know they want to come up to me and say, Hey, did you play ball? Did you do this? Right. But, so they mentioned something about the beard. Like, hey, cool beard. And that gives me my end to talk to him about this hope and perseverance through it all and through these trials. Cause believe me, I, and, and I'll tell you this, like the trials were so difficult at times. I remember, and this was after like our first round of funding uh, with my first company where I'm literally sitting on the edge of our tub in our house and in the bathroom with my wife and, and in tears going, I am not Job. I mean, like, yeah. I, I can't do this. I don't have the patience to do this. I, I, you know, I don't even think I can make it through this week, let alone, you know, take this product to fruition um, because the grind was just that hard. Wow. That's incredible. So I know, I know you mentioned a lot about strategy that you love, you know, taking on business strategy. You see it more like um, a chess game than a checkers game. So I'd, yeah. I'd love for you to maybe, you know, talk about how, how planning ahead or kind of seeing ahead of the game has, has helped you in some of your, um, your strategy and some of your business growth. Well, I, so I have a saying that I've adopted. I can't claim that I came up with it, uh, but I, from a very good friend of mine and a mentor, um, it's chess, not checkers. All right. So mm-hmm. 
I think initially what I learned, you know, this goes back to actually to my college playing days. And, and I remember I played college ball at Michigan State. And I remember the, you know, we were leaving Michigan State and we, me and a bunch of the seniors were, George Perlis, our head coach, was retiring at the same time that we were leaving, ended our season. So we go out to dinner one night and, and of course, I asked George, you know, what do you, you know, what do you, to all your success, how did you do it? Like, what was the key to the success that you've had, coach? And he goes, it's not me at all. <laughs> He's like, he literally said, you know, I, I, I've never claimed to be that smart. He goes, but what I do know is that I need to surround myself with people that are smarter than me in different areas. And that stayed with me and to everything that we do now here at Drafter and Drafter Media, like it's, it's literally looking at this like a team and surrounding myself, whether it's graphic design or it's video production or social media or whatever it is, if getting the best person for that, for that particular job that that's out there. Um, and that's, what's made this team extraordinary and obviously given us the success we've had to date. So from a strategic standpoint too, I know it, it don't let the smooth taste fool you. I'm about a big of a data nerd as, uh, <laughs> as you can be. <laughs> so I love numbers. I love data. Uh, matter of fact, it was, uh, you know, getting so kind of entrenched in this and what that actually meant, um, for a brand to have this kind of information. Cause you guys hear this all the time. I'm sure from your clients, like, Oh, you know, I want all the data and you know, you, okay. So you force feed them all the data. Here's all the points. And if you, the bottom line is if you don't have somebody there to provide actionable insight, you know, for that data, it means a whole lot of nothing to you, you know? Right. Right. And, yeah. and that's what I try to convey to folks and the importance of like having somebody on our team that takes that role, that data scientist role integrating that with the marketing plans and the strategy uh, and pushing that forward. Um, but I, but I also too, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I love is, is really digging down on the, the human psychology uh, of the demographics that we deal with too, you know, and understanding what these demographics, like how people, what makes them tick, you know, and, and, I don't know if you've guys seen recently, I think you have the, what we've done in esports, for example, you know, so yep, saw that. we had a very particular challenge with the retired players association. Number one, it was, they brought us on, not just as their, um, not just as their agency, but to help them figure out other revenue verticals, right. Uh, and, and helping them make retired players relevant. So if you think about a retired players brand, you know, who really wants to interact with that? You know what I mean? It's old, it's stodgy, it's stiff, it's, you know what I mean? What are you going to do, have a golf tournament? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, that might be a good idea. Yeah, yeah like a, a nursing home golf tournament yeah. or something. So I was like, nobody wants it. Nobody's going to, you're going to pack 90,000 people in to watch a bunch of guys limp around. Uh, but no, it was it was finding strategic ways to, to make these guys relevant again. And I think esports was the, the was one big part of this for them. So we build them a, a, a sub brand that lives under the PFRPA umbrella called Gridiron Gaming. Um, mm. So we launched Gridiron Gaming, had this huge event up at Mavs Gaming, which was awesome. Um, but what was interesting to me was to see how you mix these demographics that 
they would typically never run into each other. So you had the NFL fan. Right. So when you have like a Mike Singletary at your event and a Jack Youngblood, you have fans of that era of the NFL that are pouring into the place. Right. But we also have esports. So we have these, you know, these Gen Z's and millennials coming into the place that may not even care about the NFL, um, but they're coming there for the gaming. And how do we make these things interact in in a smart way? Right. Uh, That's going to be meaningful for the brand. And I knew that we, we, we really hit stride with this and what we had going on at the event. When I had this, this 10-year-old boy, he's at check-in, you know, and I'm, I'm walking around the facility. And, and I happen to walk by as he's checking in, right, with his parents. And he goes, excuse me, sir. He goes, is Mr. Youngblood and Mr. Singletary, are they here? And I, like, had to do a double take. I'm like, what do you know about Mike Singletary and Jack Youngblood, <laughs> you know? And then this kid went out to regurgitate all of their stats and tell me about the 85 bear season in the highlight films he just saw. So we literally took wow. today's sports fan and made a fan out of a different era of the NFL mm. because we met where they are. It was that esports world and, and, and really what's really come to fruition here is understanding about today's demographic when it comes to sports and, and how these millennials and how these Gen Z uh, kids, how they're consuming their media today, how, how they're learning. Like, for example, the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, I have a 13 year old son. That's a Madden fanatic, right? Um, he doesn't watch ESPN anymore. He doesn't watch the NFL network, rarely. He's literally getting his news through Madden. What trades mm, are being wow. made? Who's injured? All of that's coming through playing this game. Um, and I think that's a, really is a tell for the industry as a whole and, and where that's going. But it's, you know, so it's things like that that get me excited. Hey guys, so if you're wanting to grow your business online, you need an online sales funnel that converts visitors into leads and then into customers without having to be an expert digital marketer or techno geek. You know, ClickFunnels has helped us grow our business and our clients' businesses too. And that's how 95,000 other entrepreneurs are building their business online. Today, over $4 billion has been processed through ClickFunnels and you you need to get a piece of that action. Yeah, that's right. So we're giving away a 14-day free trial so you can actually start building funnels for your brand. All you have to do is go to click.battlereadybrands.com. That's click.battlereadybrands.com. Yeah, you said you said something really, and I think it just took the words out of your mouth. <laughs> go for it. It's all you. We, we were both thinking here, like, man, you said something that, that was, uh, man, just sparked um, an idea. You talked about, like, retired players being relevant again. Um, in, in business and with brands, I mean, the constant challenge is to stay relevant. I mean, you got, you know, and you got the giants out there like Microsoft or Apple or, you know, Amazon, or even some that have been around for far longer. Um, how do today's brands stay relevant so that they don't become like some retired football athletes, not to sound rude, but how, how, how do today's brands stay relevant? Or those that aren't anymore, how do they become relevant again? I think to a degree, you have to be in today's world, you have to be willing to expose your heart. And to me, that means being authentic. And, and y'all inherently know this. You know, when you're 
it comes down to content, right? So if I'm consuming content of yours, whether it's video or written, um, if your content isn't authentic and it's what I refer to as corporate cold, and we all know what corporate cold is, right? So it's like what you might expect to see when you go to your dentist's website. <laughs> you know, our, our dentist website yeah, pretty, pretty good. good. <laughs> well, maybe maybe my dentist. <laughs> but it's uh, the number. We'll help them out. Yeah, there we go. So it is the. Uh, it's just that level of authenticity. People can smell it now when you're trying to sell them. You know, and and people hate it. We all hate it. That's that's why we. That's why we pay for the content we want today. So that's why Netflix is doing what it does, uh, you know, in, in, you know, Google videos and, you know, Amazon in their video service. That's why these subscription sites and paying for what you want has done so well. Um, so for being relevant now, of course, it was a bit of a challenge when I was coming out because there, you know, Facebook didn't exist yet. Twitter didn't exist yet you know, in 2000, which is mind blowing to think what, what is Facebook like only 14 years old, something like that. Did you have a MySpace? Be honest. I did not have a MySpace. <laughs> you know, I, I still, to be honest with you, I still don't even have a Facebook page. Uh, I do have LinkedIn. It's uh, true. I tried to find you on Instagram and I couldn't find you. No, definitely not on Instagram. <laughs> no, I'm the old creepy guy on Snapchat. <laughs> That's your handle if I find that. Is that your username? So kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna add you as a friend later. You know, you know, no, I, I you know, and I, I, it's funny because I, you know, watch these kids and how they engage with social media. My own kids, so I have three teenagers now, and and uh, it, it just blows me away. So I get enough of social media working through them, and obviously with the, our clients. So by the time the end of the day, the last thing I'm thinking about is my own social media, although. That is something we've been talking a lot about here of, of uh, launching my own personal brand um, to have these type of conversations. But anyways, um, mm -hmm. staying relevant, I think for brands to stay relevant, it's all about being willing to expose your heart to a certain degree, um, being able to relate to people on their terms and you know, and, and speak from a different perspective. And I think that's, that's part of the, the issue that a lot of brands have is they don't, they speak in this voice. I, I guess the best example to use would be like, um, it, when you go to visit an Apple website, as opposed to a Dell website or a Compaq, right? So if you go to Dell, you're seeing, oh, I have a 19 inch screen and you know, this is my processor speed and they're giving you all the facts and all this. And then you go over to an Apple site and the first thing you see is like for the, for the world changers or dare to be different or, you know what I mean? It, so it's, it's speaking from me, from my perspective or what, what I relate to instead of just force feeding me facts about here's, here's the, the, the size, how much it weighs, this is how much it is. Cause at the end of the day, if you can relate from your your customer's perspective to a certain degree that cost goes out the window and in and look and apple's a perfect example right and at least what they've done in the past yeah that, that's good and we talk about all the time there's only so much like features and benefits right that you can you can use to sell really it's that emotional storytelling telling that that you give because people buy 
based on how you make them feel and what what change you're going to bring that to them. So, and it doesn't and it doesn't really matter. I mean, what your what your widget is that there, yeah. there's an audience for everything. I mean, look, right. I just came across this uh, <laughs> this couple months ago where it was a it was a podcast about the Simpsons cartoon. <laughs> These guys are making thirty thousand dollars a month on Patreon. Wow. Cartoon. So, I mean, but proving yeah, my point, wow. there's they an audience for everything, <laughs> you know. And, and so, yeah, that, that does cartoon that doesn't even run really anymore. Good. So, but so good. Wow. So, so, Brian, like, how how do you how did you infuse your own story? So, going through all of all of the battles that you've been through, being battle tested, and and what you faced, how would you say you've infused that into the brand that you've created today? Wow, that's a that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's, it's one of the, f- the first things we do, you know, from speaking from the agency side, drafter media, um, the, one of the first things we do is kind of get down and dirty with you, you know, and say, okay, listen, we need to really learn about your brand. If you're coming on board as a client and we've been, you know, in a position where, we can be kind of selective now of, you know, of who we bring on board, which has been really great. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's what we do. And that's how it really it's effective because I want to take that same desire that I had building my own brands and pour as much of this into our client's brand as possible. And I think that's, that's what's really helped us here too, because that attitude permeates everybody and everything that we do and what we turn out and what it looks like and making sure that we're always on brand and it looks the part um, has just become who we are. And, and, uh, and I get, I know sometimes, and I know folks around here would tell you, uh, <laughs> I have some pretty high expectations of people, um, mm. but no more than I do myself you know, uh, from what it is that we do. So Mm -hmm. that, that look, it hasn't been an overnight success. And I always, I always said the first time somebody comes to me and says, wow, you guys are doing so great. It's like overnight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me Bob tell you about the last 20 years. Literally. Yeah. We're coming up. I'm coming up on 20 years of grinding away and working towards being where we are today. Wow. And it's, it's almost hard to believe, um, one that I'm that old. I certainly don't feel that, (laughs) but as I, as I look in the, uh, the video here and I can see my, my Santa Claus beard getting grayer by the day, (laughs) but no, it's, um, you know, it's just that I, I think that's where, where my heart is, is if we're doing this together, we become part of your team and, and we're in this with you and we're talking about the things that matter too. And some of the big difference makers that like we've done here at drafter media is we're not afraid to talk about revenue. And as you guys probably know, most agencies run from revenue conversations. They'll say, no, we'll build your can- your campaigns. We'll build all your, your content, your TV commercials, everything that you're doing, but we will not talk to you about revenue. Well, we, what we did, one of the things we did that was so fundamentally different was hold revenue as a primary KPI. Say, okay, so that means we're having financial meetings, you know, once a week, once a month, depending on the brand and making sure that we're staying on target. Because what I learned was my marketing and my revenue are intertwined. They're inseparable. 
Yeah. So how yeah. how in the world could I do that with an agency and tell people to come on board and say, yeah, I'll build you beautiful things, uh, yeah, but not talk to you about revenue. So. Yeah. No, that's, that's so good. And we're, we're very much similar over here. You know, we, we moved from having steadfast creative, which was a creative shop to changing to steadfast results. Cause we know what matters ultimately is the results to our clients, whether that's, you know, a, yeah. a revenue result, but it all, it all comes back to that. So when you can get very clear on what matters most to your clients and <laughs> just put it right out there in front, so everything else becomes a lot easier. You know, and I, and I think too, you know, for me, and I can't remember, I can't remember the verse that this is, but I, I know that, you know, it's funny as what God expects of you, you know, as a man and, and leading yeah. your household and, and making sure that you're providing for your loved ones. Right. So because of what I went through, I take that really personally with the brands that we bring on board because I'm, I'm looking at that person across from me going, Okay, they're responsible for taking care of their household and what we're doing here matters. It's that granular for me, at least, right? The, the things that I think about of how important this is. And looking at it too from, from, a, from an entrepreneur's perspective helps too because I remember days of, in my early days of going to agencies and looking across the table going, please help me. <laughs> please help me make my company cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> Please make me sell faster and do. All- Look at this beard. Can you not do something with this beard? <laughs> Seriously, right? like, I'm so marketable. Yeah, right. Uh, my wife tells me she's gonna she's gonna create my uh, an app for me where you can try on my beard. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that's great. Right? Yeah, you can, like the Snapchat filters where you can yeah, say, yeah, you know, you. <laughs> right? No, that's but it. I- need to license a snapchat filter there you go man that's right so i I mean i think you know it's funny but but taking that past experience into what we're doing now and i I remember having those moments and and i literally i I remember going through seven or eight different iterations of the primal website before it would sell you know i needed a website that could sell i could sell if i was face to face with you (laughs) i needed website to be able to do that digitally so we could scale. Um, and that is often the problem with a lot of new brands, right? So the founder, the CEO, they can sell the product, the service all day long, but they can't get their digital platforms to really work for them in the sales standpoint. And, and I, I remember it was, I think it was eight iterations of the website before we found the right agency and the right people to get behind it where it just sold. Um, and how frustrating that was of going, Oh my goodness. Like, like I, and I'll tell you this quick story. Um, you talk about, you know, we all think about the relief we'd get if we just had that million invested. Right. And, uh, I, I remember telling, telling a mentor of mine, if we could just get this first investment in here, this first million and a half, we were going over, I could just take a breath. He goes, Oh no that's not time to breathe. <laughs> right. And so like, I remember kind about? of, him that's, off that's thinking, okay, I, I need to breathe a little bit, but yeah, but he was right. It was time to get to work. So I remember nine months into this, we were nowhere near where we, what we put on the performa from a sales side. So we were in trouble and in our burn rate, things were going fast. I'm like, there's no way that we're spending this much money. We haven't got to where we need to go yet. So just panic set in. Um, and I remember having the opportunity to meet with uh, one of the founders of renowned agency, GSDNM, 
uh, he's a good friend of mine to this day. And, uh, I sit down with, with Tim and, and, uh, have him look at everything. And as most entrepreneurs do when they get into trouble, fundamental mistake is as soon as you start to get in trouble, the sales aren't there, your burn rates too high and you're starting to panic. The first thing you cut out is marketing, right? It's true. Because yeah, it's it all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I did. I was like, okay, I'm going to pound the pavement. I'm going to do this myself. I, I'm going to go mm -hmm. business to business, hospital to hospital, training room to training room, and I'm going to go sell. Um, and, and with my sales team. So I, that's the first move I made. And we continued down that slide, right? Because we needed to scale, obviously. So I get this miracle opportunity to meet with Tim. And I remember sitting down with him and having him time to look at this from a new perspective, which is another really important thing for all entrepreneurs to have mentors that have been there, done that. So he looks at everything that's transpired over the last year and he sees where I slashed all the marketing budget and threw all that aside. I was like, you know, almost everything. And he's like, son, you did this completely backwards. <laughs> we needed to take all of this and put this over into the marketing uh, and doing this the right way, great content, et cetera. But that it's really hard for a lot of young entrepreneurs to flip that script when they're in a panic mode and I need to make money. You're telling me I need to spend money and I'm yes, you do. And, and, and wisely of course, but it, it's finding, you know, the right people to get with you to build the content, uh, to make sure things are being managed properly so that your sales funnels and all these things are aligned. Um, but I remember after just a month, of the turnaround and just reordering uh, my financials there and pushing that money towards the right marketing. In 30 days, we, we had almost pulled the 180. It, wow. it was unbelievable. And then we started to hockey stick. And from then I was like, okay, I get it. I understand now <laughs> on their terms, which often means, you know, building things that are going to show up on this thing first and understanding yeah. that and how people peruse their content. is another thing. Uh, can, can, you, can you back up? Cause I feel like there's like a trade secret there or something that you learned that might help somebody. Like you talk about that shift in marketing that happened. Yeah. Um, can you like pull the curtain behind, like what were you doing? And then what did you change to do that? that caused it to, to be so successful? Well, I think it was, um, hmm. we, we talked it. I know what it was, it, you know? So first of all, it was what I knew as a young entrepreneur was I know how to go to work. Right. So in my mind, what that means sure. is, I know how to lace up the boots, pack a lunch. It's going to be a long day. We're going to grind. We're going to, uh, I'm going to literally do that hospital, hospital training center to training center. And I'm going to go sell. Um, and I'm going to pull back off of everything that I was putting into uh, social media, into promotional costs and other publications and platforms. I'm pulling off of everything. And ultimately one of the, in, during that transition period is when I really un started to understand the value of content and the value of people's time. So let me kind of break it down. Number one, the value of content was 
sharing sharing that story and sharing the brand in a more meaningful way. And that's when I learned about that switch of stop talking about the product and what it's going to do. And this is how much it costs and, and you'll have it in two days and just go to the heart and speak you know, speak from the heart of the brand and, and what this product did for people was pretty miraculous. It removed the failure component from these, these very foundational human movements for just about everybody. Um, so I had to get down to the heart. So we created a series of videos that were, were more talking about our why, um, than going out there and talking about cost and how many group discounts I can give you and things like that. Right. So it was about the one, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and I think of the flip yeah. side of this from a time perspective, um, it was, it was some changes on what we were doing digitally. Uh, it, it's simplifying the process, something that, that, that folks totally look over, like just your checkout process, for example, on your site and making it smooth and fluid and not looking so janky and, you know, and that was, that was a big part of it. So how many times do they have to click before they can actually check out? That's kind of stuff matters. And yeah. So, so content user experience, yep. All content that stuff plays an important role. Came down. It was really a big part of that shift. Yeah. That's great. When, so when you were, I want to, we're getting close to wrapping up here, but um, I want, I want to speak to, I want you to speak to um, BRB tribe for a little bit about that 27 year old um, that you were in that football game when that act, when that, you know, that hit happened and you felt like you were splitting to knowing now the battles that you would have to face. If you were to go back and look at that 27 year old in the face and tell him, you know, some words of wisdom to prepare him wow. <laughs> for what he was about to encounter and speaking to the audience, those that are listening to this podcast now, what would you say to that 27-year-old? Well, kind of uh, some different questions, what I'd say to them. Um, let me start with, with what I'd say to me. Uh, because it was a, although it was very tough and traumatic and going through all this, and I get asked this quite often, I wouldn't change a thing. I, I, I wouldn't be the husband and the father I am today. Uh, if those things hadn't happened to me. So in even the businessman for that standpoint, um, for me personally, I had to learn some very valuable lessons and I was so stubborn, uh, so hard headed that unless I took this great big fall, I wasn't going to listen. So that's exactly why God took me down this path and, and let me fall as far as I did and experience that. Now, of course, I wish I didn't have to put my family through that. Um, but I definitely wouldn't change it. And, you know, I think I would, I would tell me <laughs> if I could look back and talk to my young self and say, um, you know, remember who you are, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's a, it's a fundamental thing for me. So it's like a, a roots kind of question, you know, remember who you are and persevere and just, you know, stand, stand your ground and rely on those roots and, and keep moving forward. Yeah. We, we talk a lot, Brad and I, about, you know, this concept that, I mean, whether it's life or business, you're going to be faced with it eventually. It's this pivot or persevere. Yeah. You've, you've got to decide, you know, in weighing out the pros and cons, you know, the consequences 
man, like what, what are, are there some things that you learned maybe mentally now that you go through a checklist when you're against the ropes, it feels like it's the 12th round and you've got to decide like, I'm about to tap out or I'm going to persevere and I'm going to keep going through. Like what are there some things that you've maybe become aware of? There are. So, um, number one, I, I, although, you know, we all hate the word no, uh, no just means to me that I just need to keep walking down the road. There's another door. There was just no on this one. And, and that's, that's really a fundamental thing that entrepreneurs really need to embrace because you're going to be told a no 10,000 times before you get that. Yes. Yeah. We don't like the word no. Yeah. But it's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. It's, you know, you're going to be early stage company. You don't have everything in order yet. You're still trying to sell, you know, and you don't have the experience yet, whatever that is. And then, yeah, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, it's just part of building the company. And, and really that's what separates uh, a lot of good entrepreneurs from entrepreneurs that end up failing because they, they take those no's to heart and they just stop themselves and we quit on ourselves. Um, and I'm a big believer in, in obviously where there's a will, there's a way. Right. And, and so I also know that with my particular circumstance that I had to win, there was no going backwards. You know, I, there, I, I didn't have an option to quit. I mean, I had a wife and kids and family on the line. So, and nothing else but this thing at the time. Um, so there, there, sometimes when life seems the most desperate and the worst possible case scenario that you could be in, sometimes it's not a bad thing. And unfortunately you can't get that perspective until you're down the road a little bit further, but those desperate corners that you get locked into going, okay, I have to break through this barrier. There's no other choice. That's not always a bad thing. Now, I will tell you something that I've learned along the way. And, and um, I, I really, this is re- it has been really part of my, my personal walk and faith in Christ. Um, so I think this will be different for everybody. But, I, but for me, it was understanding that, yes, yeah, sometimes you're going to come across barriers and walls and get those no's there is a point in time where it's not, it's not giving up or quitting, but just changing course, you know, just taking a slight detour, taking a different direction, mm-hmm. you know, because I, for me, I believe that sometimes, okay, if I'm trying to do something, even if I feel passionate about it, but for some reason it never seems to work out, right? The meetings aren't timing up and they keep getting canceled or, or whatever that is that sometimes I believe that that's, you know, maybe how God's speaking to us and speaking to me personally and saying, Hey, we need you to go this way. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Burning bush. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Not already brand tribe. We are privileged to have Darren and Kirsten here found co-founders of Cloverleaf. If you are building a team, uh, or, or have a team, this is an essential piece of software that you guys need to start implementing right away. And we're so privileged to have them here with us to explain why this is crucial to you building or battle brand. 
we uh, started this company a couple of years ago because we had an awesome experience working on a team with a great culture. And with that, we were able to produce so much more than we ever thought we were capable of. And a lot of people have that experience, an amazing team, one time only if you're lucky. And so with Cloverleaf, we've put a lot of psychology data and calculus together to be able to expose what is it that makes a team great and so we help you recreate that magical team experience that everybody longs to have. Come on to our product and get started whether you're a team of one it's just you or you're a team of multiple hundreds um, we've got really easy ways for you to get started just come to cloverleaf.me and get started and special of our battle ready brands listeners we have a code to get 30% off you just type in battle ready 30 when you check out. We talk a lot about on this podcast about like, you know, battle ready brands and, and it being like a David Goliath type culture out there too in the economy and, you know, the need for brands today to know what their, what their stones are. You know, David, he, he just needed one stone. He just needed one, just one to take down that giant. And, and sometimes it seems like, you know, for brands to kind of, you know, distinguish themselves from other brands that are out there. Cause a lot of entrepreneurs will look at the market and say, as ah, somebody's already doing it. And they're doing it better than me, so I'm not even going to try. Yeah. But a lot of times we sabotage our ability to step into that spotlight and gain the, a victory because we don't know what our stones are. Like, can, can you talk to, like, even in your own process, man, I'm sure you figured out, like, man, this, we got, we got, I got some stones in my pocket because hmm. Drafter's doing this or, you know, <laughs> Travel Seven's doing this and this is a really good stone and it's yeah. going to take down some giants and it's going to get some victories. Yeah. And it's funny. I, I, uh, it's definitely how I feel about uh, Drafter Media and Drafter right now that um, that we're going to do some special things. But I, I know too that um, you know I, I can't stress enough how important relationships are in people. And and you know I think the the biggest stone, the biggest weapon I've had uh, been blessed with over the years is is making sure that I was investing in people. And, and that means, you know, from, from a business standpoint financially, but, uh, but also for on a, on a personal level too, the people that you surround yourself with in your business, that you're, you're making that investment into a person, you know, and we talk about that here too, before we hire somebody, um, I could really initially care less about what your particular skill set is. I want to get to know you as a person. Are you a good person first? And then everything else becomes secondary. So um, we spend a lot of time investing in the people around us. You know, it, it, it's so my leadership philosophy is the CEO of Drafter and Drafter Media, right? Um, my job isn't to bring people in here so I can tell them what to do. My, my job is to surround myself with really great people that do their job exceptionally well and provide them all of the things that they need to do their job well, right? And, and that can mean a, a number of different things, <laughs> you know, uh, from, you know, physical material things to, you know, cameras and mics and all these other things to, to just what they need to operate on a daily basis from a mental standpoint. 
Um, and being cognizant of that from a leadership standpoint of your people, because nobody, nobody gets there alone. You know, and we still have a ton of room to grow here and we're, we're still such a young company, but it's, you know, that's really where we're spending our time right now is, is really investing in people into their lives in a meaningful way. Yeah, that's such a great leadership lesson. And I think um, everyone listening, I mean, could really take that to heart and just, and just how we apply leadership and how we invest into people. Well, so, yeah, because I learned that the hard way too. Totally And I will tell you, I, I, boy, I, can't, I don't want to name any names here, but I brought a guy in from across the country because he was going to be the next greatest thing for my company. This was years ago. Uh, and I spent a lot of money in moving this guy and his family and yeah, even down to equity in the company and, and got here. And because I really didn't pay attention to who he was as a person first, I was looking at, Oh, what's in this for me? (laughs) You know, what's in this for the company and got here. And literally it was, uh, it was, it was a complete 180 to the person that I was kind of courting and recruiting to come on board (laughs) and it could have been a worse mess. So that was, uh, that was my big lesson B- between that one and getting conned out of, you know, about a quarter of a million dollars at one point in time too. But wow. That sounds like a whoa, different podcast. Whoa, right there. <laughs> podcast guys. <laughs> I know no, this, this is good. You know, the season one that we're in right now in our podcast is called startup horror stories. Oh so, yeah. I got, I have a few of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You've told us a couple already, but we're going to hit the pause on some of these other ones yeah. and come back. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> we can do that. We can, we can do uh part two. <laughs> Well, hey, we, we're doing a we're doing a really cool um, segment and part of this po- podcast uh, called Knockouts. And so, what we're going to do is give you ten seconds, and we're going to give you two different brands, and we want you to give us your your quick opinion on why these brands matter. So, yeah. introducing Knockouts, Knockout Round, boom. So, on the section, there we go. <laughs> Hit me with it. <laughs> so, are these brands okay, you so work with? Wait, 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 are these brands you work with? No, 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 no. Okay. So th- these are brands that we, we've picked out that you'll know. Okay. And, uh, All right, here we go. Yeah, you got to talk which one wins and why. I won't say anything yep. bad about anybody. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so these are these are both Austin-based restaurants. We've got Chewy's or Schlotzky's. Oh, boy, that's a tough question for me. Um, Schlotzky's, I would say, kind of been there, done that, you know? Uh Chewy's needs to turn the page. <laughs> you know, all right, there all right. we go. Okay, round tr- round two. So, because you can't live in Austin and not be a foodie and enjoy that organic food scene, we have Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. Uh, Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Oh, Whole Foods. there we go. All right, all right. Good, choice. good choice. There we go. <laughs> okay, here, here, here's a good one. Round three. Since you're a media guy, Windows or Apple? Oh, Apple. Oh, my gosh. Not there even go. close. All right. That's like a, <laughs> not even close. That's easy. That's, good, that's good. like a double uppercut right there. Yeah, we, we might have to like unpublish the podcast if you know Windows. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, round four. Assuming you like a good burger, we have Whataburger or In-N-Out? 
Oh, come on now. I'm a Texan. <laughs> Whataburger. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Although I heard recently they're selling to some company in Chicago or something. That, uh, that's not a good thing for the brand. And for, and for those of you who are not in Texas, say it again so that they can hear it properly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Whataburger? Yeah, Whataburger. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's how what you say it. Whataburger. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, round five. Uh, this is a, the sauce from Chick-fil-A. Is it Chick-fil-A sauce or Polynesian sauce? What's your favorite? Oh, it's Polynesian. There we go. All right. <laughs> I know. I battled that one, too, in my <laughs> own home. <laughs> you know, there are some people like, you know, some of my kids do this. They'll mix the two together. Oh, <laughs> yep. That's my wife. There you go. <laughs> I can't stand it. <laughs> okay, this is a good one. Round six. We've got Rambo or Karate Kid. Oh, it's a tough question. I am Italian with a name like DeMarco. I'm going to have to say Rambo. Ooh, that's a good All choice. Right. Some Rambo action. <laughs> Love them both, but got to go with uh, Sly. Yeah. Love it. Okay, we've got 10 rounds, so we're getting close. We're on round number seven. We have Red Bull or Monster? Uh, Monster, the coffee drink. Actually, like the one that's like coffee flavored. Oh, oh. The, the Java one, yeah. Nice. Although... <laughs> We do some stuff with Red Bull, so I can't say that. But well, my kids love Red Bull. There you go. There you go. There you so, go. Sounds like a tie to me. Yeah, yeah good plug. Yeah, there, there you go. Okay, round eight. This might go with the previous round. We have iPhone or Android. Oh, come on now, iPhone. I, I, you know, it's so sad that it, I guess it's every brand. Every brand wants to do this, but you ought to oh, stop it. It's almost like when you sit down in the meeting, you know that you are you are so just stuck up and horrible on your Mac products. When you look across the meeting room and you see that they have like a PC, and you automatically yep. think, "Well, maybe maybe they're not that smart." <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible, but it's we true. Think about about it. <laughs> but but what a great brand lesson that is too. I mean, it's you know. I, we're not supposed to judge people, of course, but we all, you know, kind of instantly do when we see each other. Like everybody judging me right now, seeing my big old beard, and what does this guy know, right? Um, <laughs> but when you, when you when you get the ThinkPad, little like laptops out, yeah. right? Yeah. Or even your coffee cup. I mean, if you're you come into a meeting and somebody has Starbucks, and then the other guy has like his Donuts. gas station coffee cup, yeah, like, or even worse, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I should be thinking, oh, we just smarter than me because he paid like five dollars less less for the same cup of coffee <laughs> right yeah, that's what you're looking at you like man what a goofball exactly that's branding right there more, so round nine we've got coke or pepsi oh coke for sure yeah, yeah, you know i wouldn't be a good southern man without having coca-cola right there you go there so you is go. that like, like coke is for the south and pepsi's for the north oh yeah pepsi's definitely a northern thing okay there yeah. you go i didn't yeah. know that so, so what a burger in that, Coke. and the fact that in Texas, I don't know if y'all are from Texas, but uh, in Texas, uh, everything's a Coke. If you've noticed, like yeah, have, yeah. when they order, I oh, just have a Coke. That could mean Sprite. It could mean Dr Pepper. Oh yeah, <laughs> it could mean apple juice. You yeah, know. They, they they own that term, right? For sure. <laughs> we don't call them soda pops. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, from, I'm from Canada, so we do. We call that pop. Pop. Like, I'll take a pop. A. Pop. A. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one, Brian. Round ten. We've got cheese or pepperoni. Mm, pepperoni. There you pepperoni. go. Look, look at me. Do I, do I look yeah. like a, a 
I'm not a meat and potatoes guy. I know. Come on, no. We're talking to like a monster <laughs> Goliath Italian here. He's like, give me the whole sausage. There you go. That's right. That's right. So, so that concludes the uh, the knockouts. We got the Battle Ready Brands knockout round over. Yeah, so, I love it. That was good. <laughs> that, was that was awesome. Good. Cool. Man, well, Brian, we're we're just ecstatic that you were able to join us today on the podcast. And uh, for those of you who, who are tuning in, um, hearing us for the first time, we hope you're going to stick around. We know you're going to get a lot of valuable content uh, about there out there that's going to help keep your brand relevant. And ultimately, we want you, like Brian, to build a battle-ready brand. So that when you're against the ropes and you're down and out, you like him can stand back up, go in another round, maybe pivot and persevere, but keep on going. So guys, That's thanks it. so That's much right. for, for joining yeah, us. Yeah, and, and lastly, so so Brian, if, if our listeners want to keep up with what you're doing, where can they where can they follow you? Oh, they can go to Drafter Media and go check out our social media and channels. All that's on there. We're getting better at it. We don't do a whole lot of that. <laughs> we go to yeah, Drafter Media and go check us out. And what was that Snapchat Snapchat handle again? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> so, uh, and Drafter, by the way, if you can see in the sign behind me, there we're, we had to be cool and trendy. So there's no E at the end of it's not ER, it's just R, right? Kind of like, kind of like the two thousands where everybody was putting a Z in their name, right? Or using the X yep. for extreme. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, right? But no, go go check out Drafter Media and our social media. We're we're actually posting a lot of uh, of our new stuff on there now, and some of the moves that we're making in different industries with different brands, and um, you know, creating a lot of content. That's one of the things uh, I think we do pretty exceptionally well here. Um, it's video production and that content creation sometimes a lot of fun and everybody's gonna have to stick around and pay attention to south by southwest when you guys actually launch oh, i'm I, so excited i'm excited. so excited <laughs> it's gonna be here in a blink of an eye we've already been planning for the last two or three months so yeah it's wow. gonna be here quick that's great awesome. well, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to come visit you you and austin sometime soon we're not too far away so yeah we'll come down and hang out in draft media studios and have you on set we'll do a we'll do a podcast from down here that would be great Let's do it. That'd be great. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Congrats on the uh, first episode of the podcast. This was awesome. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll see you all soon. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks. (laughs)